los ojos para ver lo que está pasando. Put up your manos, members of Tante, United, Chicanos, Latinos, and Los Estados Unidos. Don't care if you're Ricans or even Cubanos. Look at our coaches. We have more common, don't let them divide. These suckers are vultures. Either we stand it together or better be standing aside. Now is the time to know about you, but I'm gonna ride. We gotta climb. Fight for your bayas, man. Where was your pride? Where were the gunners that you got inside? Look how our ancestors came to this country. They tried to be living the American dream. Don't throw it away. They promise you money and catch your age and for the machine. Click a new team. You flip to Lizard, but that is the system that you wanna bring. You need to think. We gotta fight communism, cause it looks like we on the brink. Connect on the link. So one party system is taking the power from all of the people. We need to sink. When will you listen? These people are evil that want you to sequel. So what is your plan? Hand in hand, we're standing together, cause it's the one never to do what you can. Please understand, we gotta do better. So what is remember that we took a stand? Escúchame. Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Latino Free Minds, episode number 57. Um, we're also doing what we call Know Your Candidate, and this is our next candidate on the show. We have Alex Villanueva, who was the former, right, former sheriff of LA County, which is, I got some questions about that. Uh, LA County and running for uh, Board of Supervisors, Los Angeles County District 4. That's correct. Cool. Alex, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Glad to be here with both of you. Good. Glad, glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for joining us um, in this quest and challenge for people to uh, vote, you know, um, well, the local, make the local votes just as important in talked about as the big national ones like the presidency mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you know that's that like danny said that's our goal just to kind of you know have people have conversations or maybe hear directly from from candidates that you know they otherwise would have never heard from or you know they don't you know i'm sure the media doesn't give you guys too much uh <laughs> too much of a platform right uh so you know we do what we can to spread the word about people and then just, you know, have these conversations so people can get to know their candidates. Right. So that when they go vote, they're better informed. And instead of just looking for a D or an R or a name that sounds familiar, you know, you know exactly who you're voting for and why. So, so that's, that's the goal with, with what we're doing here, especially this year. Um, so as I said, you're running for, uh, County, county supervisors, uh, District 4, Los Angeles County. Um, what is it that that kind of motivated you or, or made you make this push for, for Board of Supervisors after being the, uh, the sheriff of the county? Well, my experience as sheriff was very informative, and it told me how county government can work when everyone is working together for a common cause. And we achieved an awful lot in four years as sheriff. And we did that in spite of the Board of Supervisors, I mean, violently in opposition of everything we did. And not because we were doing something wrong, because it was partisan ideology. And I became the bad guy in their minds mm -hmm. because I didn't push the far left narrative that they wanted me to push. And I just, no, that was not what I came to office for. I came to reform the department. We reformed the department. But now that I'm retired and I could walk away, my wife and I, we both are retired law enforcement many years, 60 years between the two of us. 
we could wow. just turn around and say, you know, we're out of it. You guys deal with it. Mm -hmm. But no, my wife was born and raised here in L.A., in East L.A. And I've spent almost 40 years here in, in L.A. County myself. And we, we care about the place. We care about the people. We care about the people that are working in county government that suffer from the lack of leadership and corruption that's going on in county government right now. And I have I have the tools to fix and the know-how. I just need now the authority to get the job done. So that's why I'm here asking for a vote from everyone out there in the 4th District. Mm, that's great. Thank you for your uh, both of your service yeah. um, in law enforcement. Uh, we're of a different mindset as most people is that you know we support uh, law enforcement so there needs to be law and order um so thank you thank you very much yeah and so because you mentioned about when you were sheriff you had uh, a lot of opposition from the the board of supervisors during your time there um and you know them being partisan i, I think i think i'm i'm trying to remember off the top of my head but i i remember during covid is I think the first time that I kind of saw you popping up on TV. And um, and I think it was exactly for that. Like you're saying, like you, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you weren't going in for all the uh, mandates, right? You were trying to be a little bit more uh, understanding of different situations. And I think that's where you, if I'm remembering right, I, I think that's where I first saw you and you were kind of getting heat for that. Is that kind of, am I remembering that right? No, you're remembering it very right. I was a director of emergency management for the entire county. As my job as sheriff, that was one of the collaterals as sheriff, emergency mm -hmm. management. So the pandemic fell when, right, March of 2020, mm -hmm. I was a director of emergency management. And the public director of public health, Barbara Ferrer, you remember her. She has many names out there in the public, but we won't discuss the names. <laughs> but, uh, not very flattering. Yeah, but she believed that that she alone was going to create policy for county government, and everyone else was just going to follow it without even questioning. Hey, is this a smart, the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. So, I remember telling her, "Hey, we have to vet these policies. These remember those health orders, the masks everywhere, and we're going to enforce the mask mandate. Exactly, how do you plan enforcing a mask mandate?" Mm -hmm. it, you know, from the practical standpoint, it doesn't work, but they didn't even bother asking law enforcement, hey, if we put this order, can you enforce it? They didn't even ask us that question, which tells you where their mindset was. And when I told her, hey, that's inappropriate, we need to discuss what we can and can do and what's the best thing to do. And she says, I don't work for you. I work for, for uh, Catherine Barger. I was like, wow, this is, this is very interesting. And this is something that people are unaware of. But when the pandemic came out, the county was in a desperate race to beat the governor at announcing uh, restrictions. That was their whole goal. They wanted to be the first in front of the cameras to impose a max mandate, then the vaccine mandate later on, then closing. They decided essential and non-essential businesses and closing everything. It was a race to get in front of the cameras before the governor. Not because it was the right thing to do or the science was there. They had no science at the time. Nothing. What and influenced that? They literally just political. Basically, they wanted to hog the camera and get their name out in front of the, you know, in the news. That was their their entire goal. Because when you when you do things that affects the entire population, 
you have to have the responsibility and the restraint to understand that you can't cry wolf all the time and get everyone to follow along because at some point they're going to realize you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Because now imagine if a real pandemic that is vital that we follow specific orders were to come down the pipe or people are going to die by the thousands, people are going to be resistant because mm-hmm. only so much the population is going to support in terms of restrictions on their freedoms. And I understand that from a law enforcement perspective. So you tread very cautiously when you try to restrict the freedom of the entire population. They didn't care at all. For them, it was a great party and they're doing it all via Zoom, you know, because they weren't in any, everything was closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And never really asked, hey, is this something, is this the right thing to do? Should we do this? Those conversations never even took place. That's how bad it was. Well, um, it just reminds me of when all the policies were coming down and people didn't even know what to do because they they were questioning what is a mandate? You know, what authority, who 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 has the authority to impose a mandate? Is that even legal? Um, it's not a law. There's, you know, uh, OSHA and all the other different agencies are coming up with new rules and they're changing. You see Fauci speaking. One day you can do this. The other day you can't do it anymore. Now you have to modify it as a in a basically contradicts everything that they had, you know, stated before. So um, that's a very good uh, point that you made right there. I'll give you a a really good example of that. Remember, like halfway through 2020 with the vaccine, with the the indoor dining Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they forced all the restaurants to build outdoor space for dining. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they had to spike in the fall of 2020. And, oh, we have to shut down outdoor dining. And that's it. And, of course, the supervisor went to dine outdoors right after they voted to shut down outdoor dining. Remember uh, Sheila Kuehl? <laughs> but the sad thing was, this is when you're not thinking ahead. Humans are social creatures. They're going to socialize. The yeah. most safest place possible for people to dine is outdoors. If you shut down outdoor dining... That socialization is still going to place take place, but now they're going to go move indoors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, the the thought process was totally backwards because you actually encourage people to go indoors now when you're supposed to get them to go outdoors. Mm-hmm. They weren't thinking, and then the whole thing: oh well, you're an essential business, you're a non-essential business, so I'm going to shut you down and destroy your business. But you big box retailers, I'll keep you open. They were yeah. picking winners and losers with no science at all behind it. Every single business that employs people is an essential business for that person. It puts food on their table. Yeah. And that hit the Latino community the hardest of all because they're the ones on the front lines and all these businesses that were basically sent home or the mom and pop outlets, you know, they mm-hmm. lost. They went bankrupt. Yeah. What type of response did you get uh, during that time from the community? As a, we know what the type of response that you get from, you know, uh, the political oh. world, but, you know, the, oh, yeah. but from the community, what type of response were you getting? Well, the community loved it. They understood we were on their side. We we're trying to keep them safe. For example, in the before the the vaccination came to be, but which is like around December, January of 2020 to January 21. Mm-hmm. We had uh, super spreader parties, underground party scene, which was really driving up the positivity rate. So we tried to shut those down because that was that was a really dumb idea. Mm-hmm. But we got no support 
from local government whatsoever. We had to do it all on our own. And then when we started realizing, hey, the vaccine, we're not going to impose a vaccine mandate. Oh, the Times and the establishment, how dare he? He's insolent. He's mm -hmm. not going to. But then the president had the same policy. The governor had the same policy, yet they never denounced the president or the governor. Did you ever hear that? <laughs> no. They had nothing to say. And it was, okay, you take the jab or you test weekly. You've got a mm -hmm. compromise here, middle of the road, and both. They never complained about the governor or the president, but they were all denouncing the sheriff, how insolent he was. Doesn't he know better? Mm -hmm. You know, funny how that works. Yeah, and and it was funny because as the vaccine was getting developed, I remember a lot of them saying, I'm not going to take this vaccine made by Trump. You know what I mean? And then as soon as they got in power, it's like, all right, everybody needs to take it. So that was also like a funny, a funny little flip there, and as well as, you know, <laughs> the protesting that happened in 2020 that was okay during COVID, but you know, this other kind of protesting wasn't. <laughs> yeah. If you're denouncing law enforcement, you can go and join in mass protests and gatherings. Otherwise yeah. you got to stay home. I was something, this is something that's going to upset you. I had 10,000 employees who were vaccinated. I had over 6,000 that were unvaccinated. So I had two huge populations that I could measure what the positivity rate was from both populations. This is information you never heard from the federal government. Mm -hmm. The unvaccinated positivity rate was 3.9%. The positivity rate for the vaccinated was 3.5%. <laughs> All of that was for one half of 1%. So imagine that. Yeah. Wow. How, how was it, you know, again, LA County being the sheriff, and um, if I'm remembering right, didn't LA County have like where they went to the, I want to say the police department building and they were doing like a protest out there? Oh, yeah. No, during how was, how was handling all that as a sheriff and, and all those protests and what was going on in, in 2020? Well, remember, there are protests going on throughout the entire nation. Mm -hmm. You had yeah. images from Portland, from Seattle. Minneapolis, all these places, San Francisco, all these places, okay, being yeah. everything's on fire. And here in LA County, I said, it's not going to happen on my watch. No. If people are protesting peacefully, God bless them. We want them to do that and we'll make sure they stay safe. They don't get run over by a car, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if they're dressed like an NFL linebacker, you know, with full face masks and pads and shields, okay, you're not here to protest peacefully. Mm -hmm. And those people we dealt with accordingly, and they didn't like it, but that's the rule of law. Yeah. No, that was awesome to see because you're right. We did see a lot of, um, you know, news clips and things like that of uh, Seattle, Portland, um, in, in amongst other places. But I don't remember seeing anything as severe in the L.A. area, area uh, even as liberal as, you know, L.A. can be or it is. Well, as a, as a sheriff, I was responsible for the coordination of mutual aid for L.A. County and Orange County. This is part of the state plan in emergency mm -hmm. management. So I decided what we were going to do and the resources we were going to use and how to use them to put down any violent uh, protests that are harming people. And we did that. But the Fairfax district in L.A., initially it wasn't working because... LAPD was basically being handcuffed by the political overseers. 
The same thing happened in Santa Monica and in Long Beach. Those three hotspots is because the politicians were telling the cops, oh, don't do your job. We don't want to offend anybody. But I came after when I found that out. I said, screw it. They're not my boss. The, my boss are the people. Go get them. So they went and got them, and we ended it all right there. Awesome. Yeah. So as far as um, a county supervisor, um, how, how would you describe them today, like the group that's in there now? Uh, what, what would your sentiment be towards them? Well, the group that's in right now is so out of balance. It's the super majority of far left socialists that pretend to be Democrats. Let's not even pretend mm -hmm. that uh, they're anything but that. And then you have one uh, moderate Republican who half the time she does nothing but just sits on her hands and doesn't mm -hmm. say anything in opposition to the other four. All five of them apparently hate each other's guts because I get word <laughs> inside that it's, it's bad. And they all come together on Tuesday mornings to pretend nice. And then they do their little agenda. But everything has already been decided. The whole thing is for show purposes. Because they make decisions over the weekend. So come Tuesday morning, it's a done deal. So you'll, you'll hear the activists yelling. And then they just go and vote whatever they're going to do. And primarily, they just keep enforcing the same concept. Let's remove consequences or create a consequence-free world where you can take all the dope you want you can steal whatever you want and no one's going to hold you accountable for it. And, but we'll give you free housing and free everything. Yeah. And then they wonder why the problem keeps getting bigger and bigger. Strange how that works. So that seems to be a common theme, you know, across California. So the question that a lot of people have is where are these orders or these decisions coming from? Um, well, they can't all be on the same page you know, with the same agenda, can they? Well, unfortunately, about a third of the entire California Democratic Party is Democratic Socialists of America. Hmm. A third. But they're the dominant third because they do all the yelling and they intimidate the moderate Democrats. And they, well, City Hall, how many of those are in City Hall now? Almost half of City Hall is run by that crowd. You look at uh, Janice Hahn, you look at Holly Mitchell, you look at Hilda Solis, Lindsay Horvath, all four of them worship at the altar of wokeism. And just last Tuesday, they approved a measure, and check this, where they're elevated criminals to a protected class in employment. Hmm. Just think about that for a second. We teach our kids, don't mess up your future and don't be involved in crime. Now you can be involved in crime, then you can still get employed anyway. So what kind of message are we sending? Mm -hmm. No, no accountability, no responsibility. And yeah, it's consequences. No consequences. You know? Yeah, it's, it's sad to see, but you're right. That's, you know, we've talked about it before. It's like, that's, that's the way of life they're pushing, right? Just no, do what you want to do mm -hmm. and no respect, um, you know, no, it's like living a life without morals, right? Kind of your, your morals dictate to you, like, you know, okay, I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm not going to try to hurt people. I'm not going to try to kill anybody. You know what I mean? You kind of, you stay, you stay in line. And it's just, it just sucks because it does seem like a lot of the, the quote unquote leaders we have in California have no morals. 
and oh. and they don't have that ability to to differentiate between okay what what is good for the people or what is good for like self-interest right and and it sucks because that's what it feels like they they go they always go into their self-interest more than anything and you know that's why focusing on local stuff is important to us because you know having people like you let's say you get in there board of supervisors you know there's there's a little bit of breaks you're you're applying breaks to everything that the super majority you know throughout this entire state has had the, the democrats and we want people to know the local stuff is important because that affects where they live that affects you know their state their taxes all this other stuff that you know they might think is related to the president but it's like no you know who you have as county supervisor who you have in your school board who you have you know in your city council Mm -hmm. that's going to help you way faster than the president will. So, you know, and, and it's good to, like I said, get to talk to you guys and candidates because there's a lot of stuff that as you're speaking right now, it's like, oh, I'm kind of learning. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that, you know, probably heard something they hadn't heard before. So, you know, I, to me, that's pretty cool. Makes it worth it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you, you you're seeing that just today. They announced on the six o'clock news that LAPD is reporting an 81% increase in shoplifting in 2023. When you have an 81% increase over an entire city on a major category that impacts the economy, that is, uh, you know, hold the presses, stop. Why is that happening? And what are we going to do about it? Moment. Mm -hmm. You know, come to Jesus moment when it's 81%. Remember, this is 81% of a very, very large number. And that number is underreported because people are now giving up even reporting being victims of theft. Because they mm -hmm. think, why bother? The DA, Gascon, is not going to prosecute. And uh, I'm, it's going to drive up my insurance rate. So I'm just not going to report what happened. So even that data is bad and it shows an 81% increase. That really is like the canary in the coal mine telling you we have a serious problem here when it comes to law and order in basic, uh, you know, civil society. Mm -hmm. And it's the politicians making decisions that has put us there. So what do you think it's going to take in order to fix that? I know that, like you just mentioned, you know, with that stat, it, it's virtually a red pill because people are going to open their eyes and they're going to go, where did we go wrong, right? So naturally, they would look at their representation. But what is your, in your opinion, what is the formula to fixing that? We need to do probably three big things. Number one, we got to get rid of George Gascon. We have to start prosecuting misdemeanor crimes. We have mm -hmm. to start using sentencing enhancements and get rid of all the special orders that he imposed that eliminated discretion from your local district attorneys that's the hard the crux of his what he did to the district attorney's office we have to repeal prop 47 it has been a spectacular failure in public policy but the progressive crowd that pushed on everybody and they gave it a fancy name for a safer neighborhood safer california vote they always do that yeah, they always do and it means the opposite the exact mm -hmm. opposite but they will never admit that they either lied or that they were that incompetent thinking that somehow this is going to be a fix. So they're basically they're running around with solutions 
for imaginary problems. And third, we got to get back to staffing all of our law enforcement agencies so they get back into the business of catching crooks and putting them in jail. Okay. And as far as um, staffing, is that something that is still being affected by um, that whole push to defund the um, police department or? Oh, yes. I'll give you the numbers here. When I took over in 2018, December, the sheriff's department had about 9,200 sworn. I hired 1,100 deputies in 2019. 1,100. I set a record for one year. Wow. And by April of 2020, we had 9,986. So that's a net gain of almost 800. So we moved the needle massively. We got close to full staffing level. We became the third largest law enforcement agency in the country in the process. And we were able to impact the riots, for example. We had the bodies to address the pandemic. We had bodies to address the violence on the subways and, you know, all those different things. We had the personnel to interdict the marijuana, illegal marijuana grows in the high desert. We had the personnel to do all these things. Now the department has shrunk to under 8,500. Imagine going from 10,000 to 8,500. Mm. That's 1,500 sworn and another about 1,400 uh, professional staff. They've lost over 3,000 people just the sheriff's department alone. Your patrol stations, the vacancy rate is about a third. So that means for every three deputies, one is missing. Um, and now you know why you get slow response times in 911. It takes a while for cases to be resolved and handled because the detectives, their caseload is just staggering. Mm -hmm. And then we're not arresting people anymore. And now the mm -hmm. jail population is, is starting to fall. That's because cases are not being prosecuted and people are not being arrested. So mm -hmm. we have a lot of bad things happening at the same time. But you're not going to read about any of this in the L.A. Times because yeah. they can't report reality. They have to resort to keep telling, oh, it's an affordable housing crisis. Oh, we need to continue these reforms that are so successful. Yeah. And, that's, and that's interesting as you were saying that. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. No, I was going to say just as he's saying that it like, you know, it, it makes me more upset about like SB2 because you have criminals that don't even get prosecuted, but you're turning law-abiding citizens that went through a, you know, full process to get a CCW and you're finding a way to make them criminals. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you're targeting them. Like, that's what kind of like, when, when you're saying that, I think of that and I just go, they're letting criminals kind of walk freely, but they're targeting law-abiding citizens. It just, it makes well, me more upset about it. <laughs> Well, Sacramento's targeting two groups of people. They're targeting law enforcement because there was another SB2, not the one about the CCWs, but the one about decertification of law enforcement. Mm. Now they're allowing a jury of people who are convicted felons to pass judgment on cops whether or not they should be decertified. That's like putting rape victims on the jury of a rape suspect. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that would have miscarriage adjusted that would be, but no, Sacramento thought that was a great idea because they love the whole idea about lived experience. As long as it's the lived experience of felons, yeah. not of law abiding citizen, not of victims of crime, not of cops. No, that lived experience is not convenient. We just want to have the lived experience of criminals. And yeah. that is their whole mentality. Well, you kind of 
hit the nail on the head, Daniel, with what I was going to say, because what came to mind, too, is as you were explaining all of that, all the challenges, there's criminals being uh, released uh, from prison, jails at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, borders are open and you get more affected by that than we do in Northern California, I'm sure. So it's like everything is going against you. And uh, I started remembering the TV shows, uh, little glimpses. I, I really don't watch. We don't watch that much TV, but whatever little bit of TV that we did watch, you know, Hollywood would make a political statement somehow, some way uh, about, you know, defunding the police or something to that effect. And it's like you're 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 catching all kinds of heat from all different directions at, at all times. And, you know, I've heard the stories where sheriffs um, that are getting close to the retirement, uh, they're taking that early retirement because of all of this. And that's also affecting yeah. the police force. That's right on the money. We're, when I became sheriff, I had people pull their retirement papers and say, I'm going to stick around now because you're sheriff. Mm -hmm. and, but yeah, because typically a deputy or, or sheriff's deputy, they'll work to the age of 55. So they started at 20. You're looking at about a 35-year career. Mm -hmm. Now they're counting the days till they hit the 25-year the mark, 10 years earlier. Oh, you got dropped. Right, here we go. That's that scary. was abrupt, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you are. <laughs> so we're, we're losing people by early retirement, just like you said. We're losing people through injuries and workers' comp claims. That's also at record highs. Mm -hmm. And we're losing people who actually come on the job, go through the academy, and they lateral out to another agency. So yeah. lateral transfers. And then on top of all that, to add insult to injury, you have a sheriff who can't bring ants to a picnic. No one wants to work for him because he's untrustworthy and he's betrayed his employees. And so once that trust is gone, everyone heads for the exits. Mm. Wow. That's and, and that's where you were saying that you with your run here, you would be able to help other departments, assist them rather than, you know, put up roadblocks, right? Oh, yes. I'll give you another number that will kind of upset you. When I was in office as sheriff, we did a, a historical search on all of the motions by the Board of Supervisors against the Sheriff's Department. We went back 40 years to get an idea, just to put in a perspective what the current board was doing. Mm -hmm. We found that 80% of all the board motions that attacked the sheriff's department happened on my watch. 80%. Wow. That's 40 years of boards wow. of supervisors. And that that number blew me away. It's like, wow. So I wasn't imagining things. I thought, man, why are they always angry with me? You must have been doing something right. Yeah, yeah. that's the way that you should do. <laughs> that, that, yeah. you laugh, but it's true. You're right on the yeah, money. Yeah. The public corruption unit alone, sorely needed. Look at how many people keep getting dragged in front of the cameras for corruption in L.A. County. Not mm -hmm. just Mark Riley Thomas. You got Curran Price. You got Mitch England. You got Jose Wiesar. You have the DWP scandal. You had the Bell scandal. Remember that that case where the whole city council was, was dirty? Mm -hmm. in the city of Bell. And yeah. there's so much public corruption. And we've always been doing public corruption investigations. I just gave it an official title. Okay, public corruption unit, go get them. And 
oh my god you thought i was somehow you know killing babies and drinking their blood (laughs) and it was all because they believed the board believed that they were above the law that they're not beholden to the same rules that you and i are yeah it's amazing we we've uh, talked about that before you know um in in the sense that who is going to rise to the top the fastest? And we've always given that example is that if you have someone that is, um, that has morals, you know, they're not going to do things the wrong way. They're, they're, they're going to do it the right way. They're not going to take funding from, you know, some shady um, people. Um, it's going to take them a little bit longer to get to the top. But if you have someone that's corrupt and is willing to, you know, take, money from certain people uh, that they're going to owe favors to and they're going to propel them to the top they're going to they're the ones that are going to rise to the top and they're going to be making those decisions Mm -hmm. so you know they put it in the movies they put it in the tv shows um and what you're describing right now is that you know it seems like those movies and tv shows are pretty spot on with with everything that they're showing us so i'll give you I'll, and you're right on the money. And I'll give you a, an example of how we were under the gun and under the microscope. We had the state attorney general, as a political favor to the board, decided to do an investigation of the sheriff's department, a pattern in practice, they call it. They've spent over three years and they haven't found anything. Three years of the attorney general snooping in every single corner of the department. I said, knock yourself out. I knew what we did. We had two criminal grand juries put together in the hopes that they would find something. We've had the LA Times writing article after article talking about how horrible of a human being I am and what laws were broken. You've had the inspector general, who's now a named felony suspect. You have the Civilian Oversight Commission doing all these special hearings about basically Latino deputies with tattoos. So if you're a Latino deputy and you have a tattoo, you're a gang member. Mm-hmm. If you're an African-American deputy with a station tattoo, you're not. And I think that's a problem. It's a big problem. And as a defamatory, it's reckless, irresponsible. And then they wonder why they can't hire deputies. It's like, wow, what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. And so things got to change. And, you know, Lord willing, you know, I had the opportunity to serve as supervisor we're going to be pulling back a lot of curtains and we're going to be pissing off a lot of corrupt people. And that is my goal. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. And what type of support are you getting? I mean, um, you know, I, w- I was doing research on local candidates here, District 13, and um, it's really hard to get information on them. You have to dig, you know, quite a bit, you know, to just get their party affiliation sometimes. Um, but, you know, 2018 to uh what was it 22 Mm -hmm. uh, as a sheriff what type of support are you getting at your run now i'm getting everywhere we go every single person we're talking to they're going thank god please i'm going to vote for you my family's going to vote for you our whole block is going to vote for you they want change people are tired of the homeless crisis that's been created by politicians they're tired of crime again the environment created by politicians and the corruption. They want to see change and putting the same tired old career politician back in office is not going to produce any different result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's a hundred percent true. And um, you know, we had the little sticker right here at the bottom that says vote your reality. And you know, that's a way of us telling people kind of what you just said right now. It's like if, if you're in your city, your county, and you don't feel safe or there's crime, homelessness is getting out of control, drug use is getting out of control. It's like, do you like the reality that's been built based on your previous vote? Right. And it's like, and if you haven't, then why would you continue voting the same way? You can you can you know, change your reality with your vote. And, yeah. you know, and it's, it's good to hear that, you know, with your time as a sheriff and, and now that you're running for a uh, supervisor, you, that kind of that support is, is kind of transferring over, which is good to see because, you know, even if let's say you're the, you're the only one in there and, and you still got to deal with another four, you know, super majority and all that, you know, I think people are going to listen to you. They're going to, they're going to hear your point of view. And, you know, I think that's the, we talk about it many times on here is having a fighter spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. And that means sometimes you gotta speak up. You gotta be the loud one, you know? Cause they're, they're good at it. They're, they're good at being loud. So sometimes you gotta be just as loud. And, um, you know, I have a feeling that if you're in there and you, you know, you see something that makes no sense, you're gonna call it out publicly. And, oh, yeah. you know, none of these, like you explained earlier, these these weekend deals where they get there on Tuesday and it's all right, let's, let's roll. You know, I think, like I said, you, sometimes we need people, how could I put it? Sometimes we want like immediate change, right? If we could replace all five of them at once, you know, that'd be fantastic. But kind of being realistic, it's like, it, it might not go that way, right? It might be one guy here, one, you know, one person here, one person here. But what we're doing is, you know, we're putting the brakes on all this out of control uh, policies and and whatnot that you know they've they've gone and checked for a long time, you know not just LA County like I said the whole state so it's it's pumping the brakes and and trying to restore some balance with what's going on and how we're governed here in in, in this state. No, that's very true. And when I was sheriff, I campaigned on a series of things, and I accomplished them. I got the body-worn cameras out, deployed throughout the department. That was a major undertaking. Hmm. I got ICE out of the jails. And not just getting ICE out of the jails, but establishing a proper relationship between local law enforcement and federal immigration. They both need to do their job. We need to secure a border. They just can't do their job together because then we, we create a bigger problem than we're solving. And I think we established that. And we did it safely. I balanced the budget. I inherited a $101 million deficit. And when I left office, I turned it into a $74 million surplus. And that's in spite of being defunded year after year. So we right-sized the organization. We diversified the workforce. We opened doors. We shattered all those glass ceilings that prohibited or basically banned Latinos and all people from all walks of life for being able to be advanced based on their merit. And we, we actually got merit education experience as a cornerstones for advancement in the department. When I took office was, okay, well, tell me what have you done to serve the community in your say 25 years on the sheriff's department? What is your education level? So the people that sat writing desks, their entire career jumping from desk to desk because they were the chief's pet, you know, the favorite son and all that, they had no experience that I valued. Mm. I wanted the value of people that worked with the community out there and the ones that went to school 
instead of playing golf every weekend, but actually went to school and learned something, those are the employees I want. And we were actually creating a meritocracy. It worked. And there's so many things. We did the wage theft task force. We did the Operation Homebound, where we went out into the riverbeds, into the homes of senior citizens who couldn't leave and get the vaccination. Yeah, they did the vaccine program at Dodger Stadium. So all these people with Teslas and Maseratis were pulling up. But what about <laughs> Abuelita, who's stuck in an apartment somewhere on UP and Sunall in East L.A.? Mm. She wasn't going to make it there. It mm. wasn't designed for them. So I I flipped the script. No, let's go by the mortality rate and zip codes. That's where we need to get the vaccine first. And once they did that, then the government, actually the governor was comical. Within like a day or two, they announced, oh, we're going to do hand out the vaccine based on these zip codes. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Needed to tell you what, what's the right thing to do. So yeah. it worked, though. Oh, that's wow. really good. Wow. But, you know, uh, one of the things that I've been asking people a lot is, you know, um, in some districts, the voter turnout is really, really low. Um, and we actually had a radio station in the past making fun of uh, Stockton because the voter turnout is so low that um, it, it was embarrassing. And, you know, the, the reason I bring it up is that when the voter turnout is so low, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to sneak in um, people that are elected rather than uh, elected. Selected um, rather than elected. Selected rather than elected. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you have seen, experienced in, in your area? Low turnout does hurt a minorities' communities the hardest. Because mm -hmm. your, your consistent voters are always going to be the one that are the highest socioeconomic levels, the ones that have the ability and the comfort to vote, not the ones that are pulling two, you know, eight-hour shifts a day. They're working double shifts, you know, five, six days a week. Those, that's a harder crowd to get. But we need them to show up to the vote, to vote. Because if they don't, you're putting the power in fewer and fewer hands. Mm -hmm. And the decisions are not going to face, uh, they're not going to benefit everywhere. It's going to benefit the narrow segment that got them voted into office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say in Spanish, no sean pendejos. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Y temprano, early. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the... una sola vez. <laughs> you know, I was talking to um, someone that's, you know, running for uh, mayor, and they were saying that one of the ways that they're good, they, they changed their strategy uh, this time around um, is to try to get people fired up to go vote early because you can check and see if your vote got counted. Because when they were um, pushing everybody to vote on the day of, um, you know, to overwhelm the system, there was a lot of there was a lot of anom anomalies that happened and a, a lot of votes that weren't being counted. So that's one of the things that they're, you know, strategizing is go vote early, make sure that your vote was counted accordingly, properly. Um, so I, have you heard of it, anything like that, a strategy like that? Well, it sounds good in theory, but in practice, the early voting allowance and the 100% mail by ballot or ballots by mail, that mm -hmm. allows ballot harvesting to take place, which means people are going to make sure that the right ballots make it to the precinct to the voting centers 
and the wrong ballots, the ones that don't vote according to the way they want, never get there. So that gives people the opportunity to manipulate the vote. I'd actually take a point-in-time flash picture. This is what everybody wants. Okay, good. But this month-long voting thing that we have here in California, it allows for corruption. It allows for manipulation of the process because the ballot harvesting and the mm -hmm. effort that certain groups are devoted to that. Yeah, and the 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 left is very good at that. I mean, oh yeah, you know we've seen um, what was that movie or documentary that Dinesh D'Souza came out with? There's a thousand yeah, mules, two thousand mules or something. Mm -hmm. So, did you guys ever witness anything like that um, in your area? I didn't have it come to me, but I lost the race by twenty points in twenty two. But everywhere I've gone, everybody says, oh, my God, we everyone voted for you. We love you. We don't understand how you lost. And it's kind of hard to equate the result with the feedback I'm getting. It's like they're two different things. Mm -hmm. So, again, that was also mail-in ballots, 100%. That was like the, the recall, too, the recall for Gavin Newsom. It's like everyone I, I spoke to was like, nah, I'm not, you know, we're, we're getting them out. And, and, you know, and it's even people that you would have thought like, oh, you know, they're probably going to vote to keep them. Not even people that that you thought wouldn't vote them out were saying it. But then, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, and he ends up winning, it's like, huh, like, you know, how, how does that make sense? Um, well, well, you know what they did, though, the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Remember back when Gray Davis was governor and mm -hmm. the recall? There was, a, I think, a lieutenant governor named Cruz Bustamante. He put his name on the ballot on the recall. And he was part of the Democratic Party leadership. Mm -hmm. And they blamed him for Arnold Schwarzenegger getting voted into office. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to the, great, to the uh, Gavin Newsom recall. What the Democratic Party did was basically they punked out all the Democratic leaders in the state. No one better dare put their name on the ballot. So all Newsom had to do was to face Larry Elder. That was an easy win. It wasn't because Gavin Newsom was so great. Oh, my God, we got no. They manipulated the process so he would not face any viable Democratic opposition. That's mm -hmm. how he survived the recall. Yeah, and I think I have to look it up at the top of my head, but I think they're even now currently trying to change, I think, some of the recall rules because of, what happened to Newsom? Yeah, they're trying to make it harder to initiate a recall. Mm -hmm. said, no. Yeah, that's you know that's the thing. It's like you know, someone in in a in a government position is is representing the people, and when the people speak and they say, you know, we we got to reconsider this or we we want you out, you know, it's the will of the people that should be, you know, priority. So it, it goes to show you there, you know, the priority of the Democrats, which is staying in power and not so much representing the will of the people. Oh, that's yeah. right on the money. In fact, I got a junk email from Mark Gonzalez. You know who he is? Who's that, Mark Gonzalez? He's the chair of the L.A. County Democratic Party. And he sent me, uh, he sent me a junk email. <laughs> and uh, so I got it, right? And... This tells you what the attitude of the Democratic Party in California is. He writes, 
And they're talking about, they're trying to drum up, hey, please donate. You know, can you chip in some money? Give us five bucks, right? Mm -hmm. That says your support right now could be instrumental in ensuring we get Democrats across the finish line. This election cycle, you have the power to make sure we elect progressive candidates who will protect our reproductive rights, access to affordable housing and health care, and our climate. Did you hear homeless or crime in any of that? Mm-mm. That's like our number one and number two is right. It didn't make his list. And then progressive candidates. The Democratic Party here in L.A. and the whole state, they're trying to basically uh, get rid of all moderate Democrats. They want to convert the entire state to be a solid progressive state with all its failures. And they're just going to paper them over and tax you and tax you and never admit that what they're doing is failing. But. They have no place for me in the big party tent of the Democratic Party because I'm a moderate of the JFK vintage. I firmly believe we need to have a good Republican Party, a good Democratic Party. We need to work together. But this whole progressive crap, that's one party state and that's ruining California. Yeah, we did an episode where we were talking about Cesar Chavez and the difference between um, Democrats then and now it's like it's so they went so far left that you know they fell off the table, you know, hit the <laughs> ground hard. Did you say they damn near made a U-turn? <laughs> yeah. No, that no, I I've been saying that and it was about 2020 when that thing happened that that they flipped the switch mm-hmm. between the pandemic, George Floyd, and all that. And all of a sudden, because when I campaigned in 2018, I could say I'm a progressive Democrat. I have a lot of reform measures that everybody agree with. And it was like body-worn cameras, prime example, or ICE, big examples, right? Mm-hmm. But as soon as it hit 2020, oh, my God, we can't stand this sheriff. He's he's not progressive, you know. <laughs> you were probably a white supremacist at one point. Oh, no, they've called me the Donald Trump of L.A., a MAGA extremist, you name it. They, they've called me everything. And I'm like, I've been a registered Democrat for my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, so when amazing. they don't have nothing right, they come out with the name calling, using the, yeah. the words right. They don't have anything. They don't have real plans. So yeah, let's, let's talk about reproductive rights. Let's talk about the climate. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know how to beat this guy. Yeah, let's just call him a racist. Let's call him Donald Trump. Yeah. It, it goes to show you how how weak they are. Yep. Look at the school. You know, the whole thing about gender ideology in schools and parental choice and parental, you know, knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as these groups started forming parents right away, oh, they're MAGA extremists. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. We saw the proud boys in their ranks. How did they come up with this crap? And, and the, but the press repeats it, and you look at them, no, they're actually, they got their kids in school, and they don't want weird shit happening in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that's uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, wrap-up smear, isn't it? Is, yeah, remember? pretty much. Yeah. That's funny. We posted that in Spanish. I don't know if you caught that, but we, we translated her. It's pretty much her in her own voice, but in Spanish, explaining the wrap-up smear, because we thought it was important for people that speak Spanish mm-hmm. to hear what they do. And, you know, it, it's funny because they say it out loud. Yeah, they tell us it, with an audience, <laughs> you know, exactly what they're doing. It's, um, um, you know, gaslighting is a newer term, but, you know, they love to gaslight the people. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they have no shame, 
no shame about it. No. And I'm saying, you know what? You show me some progressive idea that works. Great. I'll applaud it. <laughs> I believe that we need to have a progressive voice. They need to have a seat at the table and I'll defend them for having a seat at the table. But here in California, they have every single seat at the table. No <laughs> one else is allowed at the table. That is the downfall of California and of LA right there. That simple act. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and I, I go back to thinking, how did they get those seats at the table? It's, you know, failure after failure after failure, and they still are getting the seats at the table or keeping the seat at the table. It, well, it just blows my mind. Look at Maxine Waters. She's been in Congress for, what, 28 years now? Jeez. That means she got elected 14 times in a place that has the worst outcome possible about every federal policy. And they keep putting her back. And she doesn't even live in her district. Yeah, and that's, keeps going that's back. Wild. <laughs> Wrap your mind around that. And that kind of takes it back to the voter turnout, right? Is if the voter turnout isn't mm -hmm. there, there's there's room for manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, you have to overwhelm the system. We go back to that. Is yeah, you got to turnout, overwhelm the system. Uh, you know, kind of break the cheating system that they have down. I think they really do count on us not going out and voting. You know, that's just my opinion. That's what they want. If Latinos were to show up at the polls and vote based on their percentage of registered voters, it'd be like a dog shaking off all their fleas at once. Wow. It would change the entire landscape of California politics. Mm. Yeah. But, okay, so we've been talking about all of this, but I wanted to ask you, uh, you know what's happening in Europe um, with the farmers, um, and you know, you know their voice hasn't been heard, and I think we're talking about the same people that have these seats at the table that aren't listening to the people, you know. And have you guys seen the videos of them protesting with the tractors blocking the roads? And yeah, yeah, I've seen the videos of that. I've seen so. Eventually, um, you know, at some point, if the people's voices aren't heard, you know, something like that is going to come to fruition, right? I mean, we see it happening over there. Do you see that ever happening here if we continue on this path where they continue to ignore our voices, what we want? Well, they're, they're headed towards that, that same uh, conflict in the community. Look at the, the homeless crisis alone. People are starting to take matters in their own hands. Look at the, the, the crime wave, the thefts. Everyone's seen that video of that guy, that shopkeeper in San Jose. A guy comes in with a big barrel and starts putting cigarettes in the barrel, and he takes uh, a cane out and starts whacking them. Yeah, that, guy, that guy's a hero. And you're going to see more vigilantism like that everywhere because people are really – upset that government is not doing what we expect government to do, which is maintain law and order. Mm -hmm. And that minimum standard, look at the caravan of vigilantes going towards the border to solve the, the, the border. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of unique and scary, you know, when you think about the potential outcome there in the conflict. 
So, so yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. In a sense, it's already happening. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then we talk about the threats that are being made by government officials. You know, it's putting out um, pictures of bombers. You know, uh, <laughs> out there. Uh, you know, we've had a show where we kind of showed you know comments and clips. Um, where, you know, you've got government officials, you know, basically threatening the American people. Mm-hmm. You know, the president, as a matter of fact, what do you say? That, that they, Joe Biden said uh, that they have F, F-16. Um, Eric Swalwell said that they have nukes and they work. Um, what else? There's another one. I'm missing it. But basically letting letting the people know that, you know, you could try it, but we got we got bigger weapons, and then they yeah. wonder why we want to keep our guns. Oh, and exactly. Yeah, there you go. Prime example. Yeah, no. And the funny thing is, and these, uh, particularly these Democratic leaders, they're all about they call it oh sensible gun control, but every single measure that they propose only impacts people who follow the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Criminals don't give a rat's ass what laws they have on the books. They could care less. If actually, it improves their odds that they're not going to confront someone who is armed, who's going to defend their property. Mm-hmm. So, and these people never figure this out. Oh, great. Yeah. Crooks love what you're doing. Keep doing it. <laughs> they're the ones that, they're, they're the ones that turning out to vote, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got, we got a, a, a question from the side chat here from Geo. And it says, Sheriff, if you win the election and you can only accomplish one thing, what is your ideal focus or mission to achieve? One thing, well, that's a tough call because I got <laughs> two big ticket items I want to accomplish. Okay, go for it. One, I want the funding for the entire criminal justice system in a lockbox so it can't be defunded. Okay. That would mm-hmm. be a big accomplishment. And right up there, part with it, would be creating a governance model for nonprofits so we can dismantle the homeless industrial complex. Two big mm-hmm. issues, somewhat related, but different, mm-hmm. that they're important because both of those things are driving the big things that are addressing us. Crime with a lack of funding for law enforcement and then the homeless crisis, where we pour billions and billions of dollars on a problem that gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. You gotta stop the bleeding somewhere and we need a governance model to start figuring out what are the good charities, what are the bad charities, and let's not fund the bad stuff that is stupid. Let's fund things that work, that promote self-sufficiency, that promote personal responsibility long-term, and then we'll start having less people joining the ranks of the homeless. Yeah. What, what is the agenda behind that? Is it just a money grab? Um... Money grab. Money grab <laughs> and a lot of this ideology. Because all these people who run these nonprofits, the CEOs mm-hmm. of the top 10 nonprofits, they're making on average $800,000 a year. And wrap your mind around that. And they're politically connected to the Board of Supervisors, to the Mayor Karen Bass, to the City Hall, and the Boards of Directors, campaign contributions to your elected officials. And, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your that we have to dismantle that system that's that's killing us because it's self-sustaining yeah yeah and you know that's something that we always wonder um but it's one of those things is it is it really 
a money grab? You know, are they just coming up with policies to take another tax dollar away from us so that they could put it in their pocket somehow, some roundabout way? And, you know, we like to think that that isn't happening, but unfortunately, that's exactly what's happening. They found creative ways to work around it. Janice Han, my opponent, the incumbent, mm-hmm. she has a uh, a PAC, which is Independent uh, Campaign Expenditure, a political action committee. It's called uh, for a stronger and safer communities. Janice Han Ballot Measure Committee doesn't identify a single ballot measure. It's just it's a perennial, ongoing PAC, and so corporations do business with a county. They donate ten thousand dollars to the PAC. And then the PAC spends the money to benefit Janice Hahn. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll support this school measure over here. Oh, that bond measure over there. And all of it is designed to increase the, the outreach, the political influence of Janice Hahn. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the county approves the project of the person who's making the donations. Wow. Isn't, isn't that scary? Is that they're using our money against us at the end mm-hmm. of it? Yep, exactly. And she'll run around. She runs around the county in the fourth district with these big checks, you know, like the golfers when they win mm-hmm. tournaments, mm-hmm. with her name on it. Oh, Janice Hahn, supervisor. Here's a check for $200,000 for this boys and girls club. Mm. That's a taxpayer dollar. And she even signs her name on it and all that. And no, it's the auditor controller that signs checks. And it's the taxpayer who's paying for it all. But she gives the impression that she's the one donating. And she's basically yeah. trying to bribe her way back into office. Manipulating the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I think from, you know, from our, our conversation here that we've had, um, you know, I've never, I've never talked to you before. <laughs> it's the first conversation uh, we've ever had, and you know, I I feel that um, you know, with the experience you have, the things you've dealt with, especially you know, during twenty twenty, that that was a lot for you know everybody in general. The the COVID pandemic, and you know, for for normal folks, if you will, people in in positions uh, that were important. Um, you know, it, you, you, you're in it for the, it seems like you're in it for the right reasons. And, you know, you're speaking out based on what you're seeing and you're, and you're calling out what you see isn't right. And, you know, I feel like, you know, the people in, in LA County, you know, district four, I, I hope you win that in a landslide, you know, because we need better representation um people that are going to deliver for the people and you know like you said not not try to put up put on a show right put on a uh some sort of veil where it looks like oh wow this person's really helping me and they're not doing anything um so you know i i really do hope that that you get in there and you get the people's votes because i feel like you'd you'd represent them well that's my opinion so far during this conversation and, and you know i much respect to you well i appreciate that vote of confidence danny yeah 
No, thank you. I don't think you would be running around with giant checks. Um, <laughs> so, you know, be focused on actually doing some real work, getting something accomplished, um, something meaningful that will help, uh, you know, the citizens, you know, the community. So when I was in, when I was sheriff, every Monday through Friday, when we were all present, we'd have a meeting of the top executives of the department. We called it the top five. It was the sheriff, the undersheriff, the three assistant sheriffs, and my chief of staff. And they, that was the top five meeting. And every day when we had an issue, a crisis, some big decision to do, and we figure, okay, this is what's happening. The number one question was always, okay, what is the right thing to do? Mm. And then followed immediately after, okay, what is the right thing to do? Let's make it happen. How do we make it happen? That mm -hmm. was our order of events for everything, which is why I'm never afraid of people looking at all of our work and what they're going to find out. There was no skeletons or anything because we were doing what we we're supposed to be doing. Apparently, mm -hmm. we were the only people doing what we we're supposed to be doing. So we became the bad guys. Oh, how dare he do that? He's not supposed to do that. Doesn't he know any better? Mm -hmm. Remember Gil Cedillo? He used to be LA City Council. And he, he, in the famous recording, the audio recording, where they made disparaging, disparaging remarks about oh. African Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He resigned. He told me that when he was in office a year, few years before, just when I brand new sheriff, he said, "Well, son, you can, uh, you can be a reformer, great, or you can get reelected. You just can't do both." <laughs> I thought, you know what? I would all be caught dead getting reelected if I wasn't reforming the department. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Talk about a strange uh, uh, observation he made, but how accurate. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, it's almost like one of those things when, um, you know, <laughs> I re that reminds me of uh, when I started a job a, a long time ago as a 18 or 19 year old and I was busting my butt and, you know, some of the older guys came up to me and, and told me, hey, um, stop getting being so gung-ho here. You know, you're making everybody look bad type of thing. So it's like, yeah. all your jets, all your place, all in line. Uh, yeah, I, that's right on the money. <laughs> that's funny. And guess what? I kept busting my butt, and, and I haven't stopped yet. So Good for uh, you. God bless. There you go. Well... You know, a final thing. I, I feel like if, if you know people have gotten all the way to this point, tuned in and, and listening, uh, I feel like you made a solid pitch already for for the vote. Um, but let's say somebody just came into the into the stream right now. What would your pitch be to the voter that just tuning in and maybe didn't catch all of that? Real simple. Compare 2016 to 2024. If you're better off in 2016 than you are in 2024, you can vote for me and I'd appreciate the support. If you think you're better off today than you were in 2016, God bless it. You know, stay with us, stay with the status quo. Simple as that. I like that. I like that. All right, cool. Well, well Alex, you know, thank you for coming on. It was it was great talking to you. And um, you know, we hope to to have you on again. And, you know, hopefully it'll be, you know, County Supervisor Alex Villanueva on the show. So, you know, I, I think 
like I said, I hope you win in the landslide, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it, Danny, Daniel. Thank you both for what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep getting that that uh, our community informed so they make the informed decisions at the ballot box. And most importantly, that they make a decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make their voice uh, be counted, heard. Yes. Number definitely. one. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, right. thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Alex. We appreciate you coming on. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Good night. All right. Good night. Cool. Well, that was that was awesome to have him on. Uh, like I said, I feel like he's in it for the right reason. So, you know, if you're if you're uh, tuned in, you know, you can visit his website, Alex Number Four Supervisor and you know, you can donate. You can volunteer if you're if you're in that area. But he, he seems like a like a great guy to kind of get behind. Yeah. You know what's awesome is that we just keep learning more and more. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the ultimate, well, the goal of yeah. this whole podcast. So, you know, it, it's exciting for me, um, you know, as we do these and have more people on because of the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm just thankful, excited that, you know, that we're doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. Like you said, it's like, because you know, you you hear he he stated a lot of things, but he actually had like the data to it too. So it's like it's good to hear that data, like with actual numbers too, that that he dealt with in in you know in his experience as as the sheriff of you know I think I'm pretty sure LA is the biggest county in in the state. So yeah. that's a it's a huge responsibility, you know, to to have. Yeah. And it just more validation that all these things that are conspiracy theories and stuff like that are <laughs> they're they're not theories, they're facts, everybody. Yeah. So yep. we can we can ignore them, pretend that they're it's not happening, it's it's too crazy. Reality is crazier than than make believe. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It really is. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you know, it was, it was a good conversation, and then we'll be we'll be back at it tomorrow. <laughs> we got a we got a busy uh busy month, a couple months on the show with candidates, but you know, all these conversations have been pretty good. You know, getting to to hear directly from people what motivates them, you know, what they're trying to accomplish while they're in office what drives them. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's good. It's informative. Like you said, you learn a lot and, you know, it's, it's great. So we'll be back at it tomorrow. We're going to have Peter Hernandez tomorrow, same time, 6 30 PM, uh, Pacific standard time. Um, you know, thank you everybody for tuning in. Make sure you hit the like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, join the Discord. All the links are below. Uh, so you know, you know. Thank you everybody for tuning in, and uh, peace be with you. Peace be with you.